1: The Julian Edelman retirement is now behind us, and, well, even though Jules probably deserves a week full of praise, we do need to look forward. But looking forward, we have to assess the now. The Patriots' projected depth chart at wide receiver probably goes Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers, Nikhil Harry, and Gunnar Osheski. Do the Patriots need another receiver? Or is this group good enough, combined with Jonu Smith, Hunter Henry, and James White, And we're back. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Ray. I'm with my A.K.A. Shades. I'm with my boy, Lawrence. And thank you to everybody who's tuning in live, watching the replay or listening on the podcast. We're trying to build a community of football and Patriot fans here. And this shouldn't have to be said, but we could never do it without you. And we appreciate everybody who watches and engages with us. Hey, man, if you're watching live, make sure you get involved in that live chat. If you don't watch live or couldn't make it, make sure you drop a comment so we know what you're thinking. And, guys, if you end up liking this show, make sure you help us with those analytics and hit that like button. And if you want to see everything that comes out of Deer Pats Nation, don't forget to subscribe. And, hey, man, if you want to connect with us on social media, all the links are in our social media pages and can be found in the description no matter how you are watching or listening to this show right now. Guys, I'm with my boy Lawrence, as I said. He is a Colts fan. And, see, a lot of y'all say that here at Deer Pats Nation, we are way too biased. So we brought in Lawrence because – well, let's face it, he hates the Patriots, but he doesn't hate on the Patriots. And this is Patriots outsider. So, Lawrence, you were on with me Sunday night. We talked about the quarterback situation. We talked about Kendrick Bourne. We talked about who he kind of reminded you of, and it reminded you of a certain number 11 on the New England Patriots. Now, mm-hmm. Sunday night, the New England Patriots, well, they employed Julian Edelman. On Monday, the day after Lawrence said to me, I see no reason that the New England Patriots move on from Julian Edelman. We hear that he terminate this contract, which at the end of the day was actually a solid thing for the Patriots to do, terminating the contract, because it allowed him to, uh, he was now eligible for compensation up to $2 million because of injury. And then Julian Edelman announced his retirement. But what we're talking about today, Lawrence, is we're looking at that Patriots wide receiving core, that same core that I just listed in the intro. And I've been thinking, because a lot of people keep saying, well, now that Edelman's gone, the Patriots need another wide receiver. Even before Edelman retired, a lot of Patriot fans were saying New England needs another wide receiver. But I started thinking about this team today. So you got Nelson Aguilar, you got Kendrick Bourne, who you say could play that Julian Edelman role, and you got Jacoby Myers. So you got your one, two, three punch, or at least your first three starters, and really... Most teams have their first three starters and then kind of the fillers in between. Now, Nikhil Harry is not the greatest of options in a lot of people's minds, but when you start combining this wide receiving core with Jonu Smith, with Hunter Henry, with James White coming out of the backfield as a receiver, and then the running game in Damian hoyer Harrison, and Sonny Michel, as well as the threat of Cam Newton running the football, if Bill Belichick did decide not to take a receiver or took one in the late rounds that maybe was a developmental guy, could this Patriots team survive without adding a big name draft pick or going out and trying to sign a veteran? Or do you think it would be at this point in time imperative that the Patriots go out and add to this wide receiving core?
0: Now, as you say, I'm an outsider. So this might come with a little bit of controversy from Patriots fans. I think currently, I think you'll be okay. Now, to be honest with you, I, I think you got plenty of good weapons out there. Three three good wide receivers, I think. Uh, two outstanding tight ends and a running back that can catch out of the backfield. That's, that's good. That's better than most teams have. Now, sh- could the Patriots go out, like you say, and grab someone anyhow? I mean, think about this. There, there are, in my opinion, three positions on every NFL team that Every NFL team, no matter how deep the depth chart is at those positions, they should go grab. And that's pass rusher, that's cornerback, that's wide receiver, right? Because those are three positions that you could that are always changing out, always on the move, you know, and, and you can never be too deep at those three positions when it comes to the NFL. So because they affect so much. So uh could the uh Bill Belichick even go high in the draft? Absolutely. Could he go low? Sure. It just depends upon, I think, really how how the draft falls for him uh, in this draft coming up.
1: So we want to throw a little shout out to Ross before I respond to Lawrence, because we are responding to Super Chats immediately now, Lawrence, because I'm going to say it's stupid Connor. Let six Super Chats buy two nights ago. Including one of my own. Including (laughs) one of yours. So. Anyways, he says to have three TVs going DPN, Bean Town, and Red Sox and Law Dog. He's got it all going on. We appreciate you, Ross. Uh, basically, donating for the sake of donating. So we appreciate you, no question. Um, Look, I kind of, like, I agree with you. You can never have enough wide receivers the same way you can never have enough cornerbacks, the same way you can never have enough, as far as I'm concerned, offensive linemen. (laughs) You know, you can, there's certain positions that, like, when I think about things like the offensive line, yeah, everything's great until David Andrews gets injured, you know, or everything's great on the secondary until Stephon Gilmore goes down, or everything's great until this guy, but... I think when you start talking about skilled positions, yes, you can never have enough. And I'm not saying that the Patriots aren't going to add to their wide receiving core. Because, I mean, even if they were in a great – they always add to their wide receiving core. I think where I was getting at is a lot of Patriot fans were like, okay, now that San Francisco has traded up to number three, and we know that the first three picks of the draft are going to be a quarterback – there's rumors that Atlanta, who is in Ohio right now or was in Ohio today, scouting Justin Fields, they may be interested in picking up a quarterback. That really only leaves the Patriots with the option of getting ahead of Denver to try to maybe pick up who I assume is going to be Mac Jones, because I believe Justin Fields and Trey Lance, if they are drafted in three and four, are going to go ahead of Mac Jones. Now, if Mac Jones is the Patriots guy, then trade up, get ahead of Denver. But if he's not, then you're probably looking the second round. There is a lot of Patriot fans out there who are saying, man, let's pick up one of those star stud wide receivers in the first round, get Kellen Mond in the second. We're good for the next 20 years. Now, what we do know too, though, about this draft though, is that it's deep with wide receivers and you could get one in the third round. That would have been the equivalent of a second round pick, maybe a, a number 30, 29 pick in the first round, I just think when you think of the New England Patriots, one thing that the Patriots are missing is that defensive tackle, that DeForest Buckner. I was going to say that Aaron Donald, but given after the events we heard today, I'm not going to say Aaron Donald. Which, by the way, Lawrence, if I could go off track a little bit here. Mm -hmm. Here's my theory on the whole Aaron Donald getting charges pressed against him. The guy who started problems with Aaron Donald should go to jail for just being stupid because who starts a fight with Aaron Donald? That's my opinion. What do you think about
0: that? <laughs> that's, that's funny. I mean, we don't know. I I really, I don't know. I haven't read into how it all went down. I mean, the guy could have just been like, well, that's Aaron Donald. It's like picking a fight with Mike Tyson. Almost, you know, the only reason you're doing it is to get paid. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, so, but yeah, so... That's if you survived the fight, right? I mean... (laughs)
1: Someone asked me today, what would you be doing if you're sitting there having a couple of pops with your boys and all of a sudden Aaron Donald starts giving that stink guy? I said, well, I'm 100% sure that he's faster than me, so I would just start begging for my life. (laughs) But anyways, back to it. I want to see the Patriots get one of those defensive guys, uh, those interior defensive tackles that can get the pressure on the quarterback. We know that the Patriots now with Dietrich Weiss and Chase Winovich and Matt Judon and Kyle Van Noy, they're set up to be able to get pressure on the outside. What I really want to see is them get a defensive tackle who can get pressure up the middle because we don't have it. We don't have it in Lawrence guy. We, We don't have it in Devin gotcha. Who's more of a run stopper. Even. Uh, Henry Anderson, who's more of an edge guy, he's there to set the edge on the run. We don't have our DeForest Buckner. So I I clearly want one of those guys and get pressure up the middle, Which and then a, maybe a Kellen Mond in the second round. So for me, if I had my way and I was going to pretend for a second to know more about football than Bill Belichick, I would want them to go defensive tackle in the first round, quarterback in the second round, maybe wide receiver in the third round. Does that make sense to you when you look at the buildup of this team?
0: Yeah, I mean, definitely. Uh, quite frankly, defensive tackle is such an underrated position in the NFL. Uh, it's very difficult to hit good on a defense. How many how many defensive tackles right now that are playing in the NFL, they can be like, these are top-notch guys. There's maybe five of them, and and two of them are getting up there in age, right? So, you know, defensive tackle and those guys, like you say, getting pressure up the middle is so important, especially in this day and age where you got those scrambling quarterbacks that can, you know, if there's pressure on the edge, they step up into the pocket. But if you got that defensive tackle, he can't do that and there's nowhere for him to run. So defensive tackle is a very, very important position uh, in any team.
1: All right, guys, so Lawrence and I are going to be turning to all the social media outlets, going to be turning to the chat to hear what Pats Nation has to say. But first, I need you to hear from our sponsors over at Manscaped and the Rocky Mountain Barber Company. You can get your male hygiene and grooming tools and take care of everything below your belt from Manscaped.com. And use the promo code RayRoute and you'll save yourself 20% and get free international shipping. So take care of your boys and get all of your male hygiene and grooming tools at Manscaped.com. Visit RockyMountainBarber.com and get all the products you need to take care of your hair, beard, and skin. Get their small batch, all-natural beard bombs and oils, pre-shave oils, lotions, hair products, razor blades, and so much more. Visit Rocky Mountain Barber Company and use the promo code Route and save 5% off all your orders. Get your small batch hygiene products at RockyMountainBarber.com.
0: All right. Ray. Yes, Ray, does that mean that uh, you're not going on your two-minute tangent with uh, Manscaped? We had a conversation with Manscape about
1: the 2 minute tangent and said doing it for every show and every video is a it's a little much mm-hmm. so they've agreed that we can play the 20 second ad on anything outside of the nine o'clock Dear Pat's nation podcast they still because that's our flagship they still want us
0: to read it on the flagship but yes we can do the shorter ones here thank you manscape because quite frankly i didn't want to have to sit here and hear about nick's cuts and razor burns in certain areas okay appreciate that very much <laughs> well i mean that and when you crop the bushes the tree stands yeah. taller all that
1: kind of stuff right you know like it's a lot for the audience it's a lot for me too to have to keep saying the same spiel over and over and over again so no we will be uh we're allowed to do the long spiel we still have to do it on the flagship show but everything else we don't have to do it anymore because i thought i was going to have to insert it into your film rooms i thought i was going to have <laughs> insert it into boston balling and I was just sitting there going, "This I can't do this over and over and over again." So no, yeah. So you don't have to worry about hearing it, but I—you are a frequent viewer of the Deer Pass Nation podcast mm-hmm. at nine o'clock, so you will have to hear it at some point today.
0: No, there's a mute button on YouTube.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lawrence. So before we get into our feature today, which we're going to start seeing what Patriot fans think about the wide receiver core. You and I, we did a show on Sunday and we said, how will Kendrick Bourne impact the Patriots? That was our, the the topic of our conversation. And as always, I would like to go through the chat if we, or the comments, if we could, and just get a little bit of feedback about what people think about Kendrick Bourne. And well, who knows what they said about us. Corey D says, I'm very excited about Kendrick Bourne. Can't wait to see how he does in the Patriots offense. I've watched his film. It seems he has good footwork and fights for yards after the catch. Lawrence, you did the film room. Now, I did watch it, but I'm going to turn it to you because you're the breakdown. Did you see that good footwork and fighting for yards?
0: Yeah, on every play. Every, every play. Even even if he stumbles because, you know, he's getting ahead of himself on the turns and stuff, he's still fighting. He's still doing everything he can to get those extra yards, especially uh, when he knows that he's not quite past that first down marker yet. He'll fight for every little bit, and uh, I think that uh, his route running is exceptional, is top-notch.
1: Well, I like words like exceptional. I like those kind of words when it comes to the New England Patriots. Uh, Psychological says, love when my big guy law is on DPN salute. So there you go. Uh, Corey says, laugh my ass. I've got to love his face when he talks about his ball hair. <laughs> Uh, Eric Super Patriot says, loved hearing KB's enthusiasm to become a Patriot. And I'll agree with that. I'll talk from a Patriots fan standpoint. We heard a lot this offseason about the Patriots culture is going to be an issue for Bill Belichick. Free agents aren't going to want to sign with New England. People don't want to play with Belichick. They only wanted to play with Tom Brady. Belichick doesn't have the cachet to attract free agents. When you look at the grand scheme of things and you think about the players who did sign with the Patriots, johnu Smith, Hunter Henry, Matt Judon, Mills, Kendrick Bourne probably sits five or six down that list of prominent players, I guess, or big-name players that came over. But the fact that Kendrick Bourne seems to be immediately buying into the Patriots' way excites me as well because what this offseason did was first of all, prove the old adage theory that money talks and money will always talk in the National Football League. But when money does talk and players are excited about joining an organization that no longer has the greatest quarterback to ever play the game, made me feel good as a Patriot fan that there's still a little bit of cachet about playing for Bill Belichick.
0: Yeah. uh, Actually, when it seemed like during that first you know, uh, tampering period started. And then through the first day or two of free agent signing, it seemed like there was like the, there was the NFL free agency river and it was flowing right through new England. Right. And that's, that's the way it seemed like I was like, Oh my goodness, the Nile, the, the, the free agency Nile is going right through new England and everybody's stopping there first and, you know, buying, buying their goods. So yeah. Uh, Absolutely. And when you see that, that kind of those free agents that haven't, you know, uh, signed with New England, they they they, they're out there. They're seeing that all this movement going towards the Patriots, that's got to open their eyes up a little bit as well and go, well, maybe I'm missing something here, you know, and then they they kind of open themselves up, even though they may have been close to going to New England. At one point, they might have opened themselves up to at least going out and, and having a visit and checking things out. So it's it's a plus plus situation like that.
1: Well, let me stir the pot a little bit then. And let me start in a way this probably would have been better for Hot Take Thursday for tomorrow's episode of No Sources Podcast of Hot Take Thursday. But I'll let me throw a hot take now. And this is nothing being reported. There's no truth to this. This is completely f- just fiction coming from my mind. But a part of me wonders if Matthew Stafford, who is in a good position playing over with the Los Angeles Rams, if Matthew Stafford, who refused to be traded to the New England Patriots, had them on the do not trade list because he wanted to play for a team that can compete now. He wanted to play for a team that was able to compete for a Super Bowl immediately. I wonder if he looks at the Patriots, not just what they did to the offense and the weapons that he would have to work with on the offense, but also the weapons that he would have on defense to get him on the field better, not constantly playing from behind. I wonder if there's a small part of him that said, maybe I shouldn't have been so quick to the trigger on I don't want to play for New England because they're not a super bowl ready team.
0: If it is, it's probably small. Uh not not that uh New England currently right now is not attractive to quarterbacks. Uh it's the fact that Matt Stafford sitting there with the Rams right now is probably the the biggest landing spot he could have landed on. I mean, he's he's got the number 1 defense in the NFL. He's got all those weapons. Uh a uh, a coach that is very quarterback friendly so to speak you know I I see I see the Rams currently right now being the number one team in the NFC over a lot of different teams uh including like you know the Green Bay Packers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers so let
1: let me ask you a quick question about mm -hmm. Matthew Stafford and it's something that I've been thinking about for a little bit here so obviously the LA Rams have hemorrhaged their future to ensure that they could secure Matt Stafford. And they're really in a win it now situation. Mm -hmm. This isn't a three, four year project for Sean McVay. If Matthew Stafford doesn't win a playoff game this year, what does that do to his reputation? Because all we heard is it wasn't Matthew Stafford's fault in Detroit. He never had a team around him. Now people would argue he had Megatron, arguably the best wide receiver of his generation you know he did have Jones and uh, Galladay this season but it always seemed that one of those two guys were injured they never really they have Hawkinson the tight end who seems like he could be a little bit of a disappointment he was seen as that you know the next Travis Kelsey of the of the NFL he hasn't really stepped up to the plate but if they don't win a playoff game this year
0: what does that do to Matthew Stafford well, that probably puts doubts in his own eyes, I honestly, because currently right now, uh, and not just his own eyes, but a, a lot of people's eyes, including my own, because I, I'm one of those guys that said, you know what, if Matt Stafford was in a better organization who would build around him, he would be a much better player because, you know, the stuff that we see uh, he lays out there on the field on, on game film. Um, so, yeah, if, if he's unable to at least win a playoff game, then yeah there's there's a lot of question marks coming up about matt stafford
1: yeah well you and i over back when we were both employers or employees of sportscaster we got into a heated debate with our boy joe Mm -hmm. over matthew stafford because we both said he was a top 10 quarterback in the nfl Mm -hmm. yeah And, and joe vigorously disagreed with us and said he's not a top 10 but yeah, he needs to perform this year, as far as I'm concerned, to prove us right. He has to win a playoff. You just, first of all, they just put the organization in your hands, and if you go in and don't win again, it's a pro. It's it's a problem. It is. So I'm going to respond to this. Oh. Matthew Stafford has three playoff appearances in in twelve seasons in his win list. So what reputation are we talking about? that wasn't what i thought he was saying so i had a different response but it's not inaccurate at the same time it's tough to fight him argue him you figure in 12 years at some point you you know you could if you are a top 10 quarterback you could drag your team to a single playoff victory but he could only drag them the three playoff spots but detroit's been a mess and we've talked about that with Barry Sanders we've talked about detroit's been a mess for years and years and years
0: mm-hmm.
1: but yeah i mean i think his his legacy, if that's what you want to call it. I think it's on the line this year.
0: Oh, I absolutely. I I absolutely agree. Um, if, if there's good now, the Aaron Donald situation obviously is going to affect some things down there in LA, but, uh, when it comes to the offense, we got to see Matt Stafford go out there and perform very, very well. Um, that's, that's just all there is to it. And, um, I, I, I don't see any any problem with his willingness to win, his effort, you know, his his uh, ability to lay it out on the line. We've all watched, you know, I think it was what against Cleveland when he threw that touchdown with a dislocated shoulder, you know, come back in. Nah, you ain't taking me out. So we all know that he's he's willing to do stuff like that and and, and try to put a team on his shoulders. But now that he's got everything that basically he's ever asked for he's got to put it together this year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I do want to look at a couple of the responses we got back on our social media platforms. We put this out on Instagram. We put it on our YouTube community page, and we also put it out on Twitter. I'll start with Ross. He says, in my opinion, the offense is pretty stacked, but would like to see a big-name wide receiver receiver like Odell Beckham Jr. or Julio Jones, or we draft some wide receiver depth for the future. At this point, with the Patriots, I think sitting around thirteen million dollars in cap space, they'd have to move around a lot to try to take assume a contract from OBJ and Julio Jones Odell to New England has been a dream and a want and a rumor all the way back to the Giants days when the Patriots almost did pull off the trade with New York to get OBJ. At this point, should Patriot fans dreams of bringing on a true number one receiver like one of the like a veteran true number one receiver should they kind of throw that out the window?
0: All right, so first off with OBJ, I've had the uh, the opportunity to sit and talk to a lot of guys who cover the Browns, like uh, Quincy Carrier and some other guys uh, on their shows, and I've asked them over and over and over about OBJ, and they, every single one of them say that the fans there still love OBJ, they don't think he's going anywhere, they're not going to get traded, at least not this year, so probably take that out the window because fans generally have kind of a consensus idea about where a player sits on a team. Um, As for an outside wide receiver, uh, you're sitting right now kind of young, right? I mean, when it, when it comes to the wide receiver, so a veteran wide receiver wouldn't be a bad idea uh, because of the youth you have there. Now that uh, a certain number 11 is retired, I, I, But I mean, you got Nelson Aguilar, but I don't really count him because I I don't see him as that true number one guy who's you know uh, put a whole wide receiving core room on his back and 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 kind of you know show them the way. You want someone like what you're talking about with the Julio Jones and stuff like that. Maybe not even Julio. You know, maybe um, oh the. Fitzgerald, you know, that might not be a bad idea, you know, because he's been there, done that, knows, you know, systems and and uh, is is known to be a really hard worker. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing that happen for the Patriots, but uh, r- really it would just be for um, veteran leadership, I think, more than anything.
1: And that's why I don't think we're going to see a Julio Jones or an OBJ, just mainly from the mere fact of what it's going to cost. Mm -hmm. Now, Larry Fitz is a different story. Uh, Larry Fitz is also another guy who Patriot fans, I mean, going back to, I don't know if you ever see that, that picture floating around Twitter. Every time there's a trade rumor, it's Larry Fitzgerald spotted at a Logan airport and it's just some guy in dreads at a Hertz rental. We'd be getting Larry Fitzgerald late, (laughs) probably at a time that Patriots fans don't want him. But I think you're right from a veteran standpoint of just going in and settling down that room. Let me ask you this. Where, Where Larry Fitzgerald is in his career now, let's just hypothetically, if the Patriots did sign him, and we're not saying the Patriots are signing Larry Fitzgerald. We're having a hypothetical conversation. But let's say the Patriots did go and sign Larry Fitzgerald. Where would he sit on the
0: depth chart? Four? Four. I would put him... I would put him for three on third and like five or shorter, you know, situations like because Fitz Fitzgerald can, can block too. Right. I mean, so uh, I, I like him as an overall, I mean, is, is he explosive anymore? No, but uh, he he's a very wise wide receiver that knows how to get open in certain situations. And, and again, can, can kind of lead this young team. So, um yeah, I, I would see him as, as the number four on the depth chart over Harry. <laughs> um but so would
1: your depth chart go Aguilar, Bourne, Myers, Fitzgerald? Or would you switch Aguilar and Bourne?
0: Bourne's not an outside receiver. He he's gotta be a slot guy. I mean, that's just all there is to it, in my opinion. I I I don't he can Are... play out there, but I just I don't see him uh, hardcore. Are you going to say something crazy like Jacoby Myers is the number one? I I think, I think he should. I think by the end of this year, I think he should be the number
1: one. I I love that. I love it. So, and again, for anybody who's new to this show and wasn't here at the beginning, Lawrence has a right on his shirt there. He is a Colts fan. He's not a Patriots fan. So he's not a delusional Patriots fan. Who's going to, who's going to speak up people. He did a film room. I'm going to tell you guys right now, if you haven't seen it, you got to go check it out on our YouTube page. Lawrence, I want to say three weeks ago, four weeks ago did, or right before free agency. So maybe four weeks ago, Lawrence did a film room on Jacoby Myers. And I walked away with two major pieces of information. Number one, I had never heard Lawrence so enthusiastic in a Patriots film room as he broke down Jacoby Myers. Now, he said Jacoby Myers isn't perfect. He's got parts of his games he needs to work on, especially his in-cuts, but very enthusiastic. And he put the guarantee down. He didn't say guarantee, but I took it as a guarantee. He he put the guarantee down that Jacoby Myers was going to have his breakout season this season.
0: That's what I figure. I figure he'll probably get anywhere between 800 and 1,000 yards, I figured. Now, this was before the free agency also kicked off, and you ended up with two number one tight ends, and you know, Bourne and Aguilar and all that. But I still think that uh with with that extra uh reps with Cam Newton, if he's the starting quarterback, that's gonna help him out a lot. Um I I like Jacoby Myers. I think he has the tools to be a number one receiver. Uh he just the team needs to uh, show a little faith in him in that situation.
1: Well, you've made me really, really happy because a lot of Boston media, what they're saying right now, and I didn't necessarily disagree with this, said that it was going to be Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers fighting it out for that number two spot. A lot of people have Aguilar, myself included. I'm not, I usually I rip the Boston media, but I'm not at this point because I myself included, I had Aguilar just slotted as that number one. If the Patriots, if Jacoby Myers does end up being a true number one, for the Patriots. Now I can only imagine what the comments are saying right now, because I'm holding a super chat and I'm really interested to go see, but if Jacoby Myers could be a true number one, that means the Patriots actually developed a true number one. It may, may not have been a first round draft pick, whatever, but that's going to pay dividends in the future when you're trying to get hometown discounts and you're trying to work contracts. And sometimes you can, you can structure a contract with your own guy a little bit easier than you can structure a contract with uh, another free agent. So you excite me. And with Kendrick Bourne being so young, if if that's maybe the combination, that's the one-two punch that the Patriots have
0: going forward, I can live with that. I can live with that. Yeah, I mean, Nelson Aguilar, the, the the issue with Nelson Aguilar, yes, he's got a lot of speed. He could take a top off a of defense, and that in and of itself is a weapon, uh, even if you're not throwing it to him, because, you know, that opens up the middle of the field for guys like Myers and Bourne and the tight ends and stuff like that. So I honestly... I don't see Aguilar getting a crap ton of targets. He, he'll he probably get two or three deep shots a game and maybe a couple here and there on the outsides, you know, because his speed is able to get him open occasionally. But uh, I think Meyer and Bourne will get more targets than him. Would you say
1: that Aguilar is there to just take the top off the defense? You think that's going to be his primary responsibility just to keep that secondary honest? Don't let them play that. You know, don't let them play that high, high single coverage safety. Actually, force them to drop a couple safeties back and and open up the middle of the field for the other receivers.
0: That, well, yeah, that's, I've been saying that since the beginning, but, uh, not here obviously, <laughs> but yeah, um, that's exactly what I think. I think it, he's, he's there to make sure that depending upon what side, whether it's strong safety or free safety, either one, he's going to have a corner on him and he's in the safety is going to make sure that he's deep at all times so that, you know, the corner can't get burnt down deep and that, that will open that side underneath. So Love Vibration Nation says, Stafford is Marino,
1: but not as good. Imagine his stats of Megatron was never there. I understand the comparison. I don't think, though, I'll ever look at Matthew Stafford the same way I looked at Dan Marino. For me, Dan Marino was always the what could have been if they could have put a team around him. I guess it's a little bit with Matthew Stafford, but I'm going to say it. Replace Tom Brady with Dan Marino and the Patriots probably still win three, maybe four Super Bowls. That's how good he was. Probably not six. Probably didn't go to nine. Maybe they go to four Super Bowls. Maybe they don't win four. Maybe they go to four. Dan Marino was such a good quarterback just that they could never, ever seem to put a an offense and a defense together at the same time.
0: No, it was Marino had what weapons wide receiver weapons. That's the thing that, that Miami did. They, they built their team around Dan Marino. He had all, all sorts of weapons to throw to like Clayton and all them. Right. So, uh, I mean, the fact that he threw for 5,000 yards back when there was, uh, what, 14 games a season, right. That's, that's just stupid numbers. Right? Ridiculous. Um, um, they just didn't have a defense that was able to back up that offense. That's that's the issue. And a lot of teams today have that same issue. They want to build this massive offense, but don't have a defense to help support it.
1: Well, yeah, and I, that's why I've always had this theory about Cam Newton for this season. Uh, I'm assuming now that the Patriots are going forward with Cam Newton. And the one thing that I've sort of thought about is... I wonder how much more this defense is going to impact Newton rather than the offensive weapons because there's a good possibility he's not going to be playing from behind every game. Even if he goes three and out, they, the Patriots should have full confidence that his team isn't going to give up points the other way. Where last year, if he went three and out, as good as the Patriots defense was, they were still giving up three points. Like they were, you seem to always be playing from behind where the Patriots offense could go three and out for a couple of series. And this defense is good enough to keep that game at zero zero before the offense can start rolling and clicking together. So as much as the offensive weapons are obviously going to help Cam Newton, I don't think people understand how much that defense, if it performs on paper or the way it looks on paper on the field, it can help Cam Newton out a lot when you get into those kind of situations. To the second part of Love Vibration Nation's call, also get Patterson if for reasonable money, useful and serviceable. And he's obviously talking about Cordero Patterson, was with the New England Patriots, their last Super Bowl, I believe, in 2018. Primarily a special teams guy, did go downfield. They used him as a running back when they got into injury problems. Serviceable guy if I'm not mistaken, he's not, he wasn't thrilled about New England when he left. He didn't have a lot of great things to say about the Patriots. I remember being upset with him for some reason, not because he left, but I remember being upset for a different reason. So I assume he said something bad about the Patriots. Could Cordell Patterson be that number four veteran receiver to come in and kind of guide Myers and Kendrick Bourne? Or are you
0: looking at more as somebody with a little bit more clout? A little bit more clout. Patterson, uh, he's more of a, Oh, what are those called? Uh guys? You no, know, they, they guys that just come in and, and do uh, little trick plays a lot. And you see that with Patterson a lot, especially when it was with Chicago, you know, not just return man, but he'll line up at wide receiver and then take reverses or line up at uh running back and maybe carry it or or maybe run out for a catch or something like that. I just I don't see Cordero Cordero being uh, a solid uh, addition to a wide receiving core that the other guys on the team is going to respect as as that guy to look up to.
1: Now, maybe if we're talking about another guy to take the top off the defense, if you want a couple of speedy outside guys on some plays, my Patriots update is suggesting maybe go out and get like a Demir Bird as your fourth receiver. He was with the Patriots last season. I think he actually had a career year with the Patriots last year, I'm just going to pull up his stats real quick, but I think he had like 700 yards, Uh, completely outperformed the contract. He was probably, he probably didn't get the respect that he deserved last season from the Patriots faithful, but he actually well outperformed what I think a lot of us were going for. Yeah, he had 47 catches for 604 yards and a touchdown. I will say though that I'll remember Demir Bird for dropping that clear touchdown pass off of cam newton i think it was i think they were still i think it was against the rams and then it turned into a, a route after that and the rams just took over but what would you think about bringing back a demir bird now we've heard mike reese say that it could happen but a guy like bird guy like patterson the patriots aren't even going to think about talking to them until after the draft and they see what they get out of the draft
0: Bird's got... I mean, I didn't get a lot of looks at Bird when I was doing my film runs because I didn't do anything solely focused on him. I did notice he's got some speed to him. Um, But I I don't know if he's got... Something that I wasn't noticing. Now, I could be wrong. Like I said, I wasn't really looking at the film on him hardcore. But I, I wasn't seeing when Cam was getting in trouble. I wasn't seeing him flash to be that guy that immediately runs to an open part of the field uh, where Cam can see him to get open. So that kind of makes me a little bit worried about uh, where you would put him uh, with the rest of this class because some of these guys that I've noticed can do that and do that very well, which kind of makes me think that they're more of a reliable uh, guy on the field than Bird.
1: Yeah. I think Bird, to me, again, is an option if the Patriots are not able to get anybody in the draft or find another person, and they are really just have no faith in Nikhil Harry, and they're trying to find something different to do. That's my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. Oops, sorry, guys. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe other people see it differently. I don't. It is what it is. Interesting one here. Now, I don't know how... Familiar you are with Gunnar Osheski. He's our all-pro punt returner. Hot take, Gunnar is going to break out this season, but I'm going to tie that into a Twitter comment that we got as well from Vicarious Patriots, which we also know on here as Kinkato, a.k.a. Joe, who says, I like Gunnar Osheski and think he could have a better year, uh, but could have a better year, but whether it's move, tight ends, or actual receivers, the Patriots could always use and improve their receiving core. And he goes on and on and on. And I, I we can get to the rest of his thing after. But do you know enough about Gunnar Ocheschi to? Because I don't have any faith in Gunnar Ocheschi. But I was going to, if you had something to say, I was going to leave it to you. But I assume, I know you know a lot about the Patriots, but you don't follow them that closely. And I assume you don't know much about Gunnar.
0: Yeah. Um, when it comes to like just your regular, everyday special teams guys that don't get a lot of, you know, <clears throat> regular snaps, I, I don't really know a whole lot about them. Uh, I heard you guys talk about him quite a bit. I just haven't really broke down any film on him, so I really don't know much about Gunner. Sorry. Yeah, we talk be, at least I'm honest about it, you know. I'm not gonna make some crap up, but <laughs> well, well, we
1: talk about Gunnar Olszewski way too much. The fact that you're like, I hear you guys talk about him all the time. I, I was just thinking, I'm like, we do talk about Gunnar Olszewski all the time, like, we talk about the punt returner Wait, That's what kind of season 2020 was, 2020 season, the 2020 season was. That we are talking about the punt returner because he was our all pro on an everyday basis, the same way we talk about Nick Falk having his career year with New England as the punter. Uh, Love Vibration Nation says, solve wide receiver and quarterback, draft Pitts and Mond easy peasy. I don't think it's that easy peasy because I think you're going to have to trade up into the top 10 for Kyle Pitts. Possible landing spots for Kyle Pitts in my mind is Atlanta if they don't take a quarterback and don't trade out maybe Cincinnati, but I feel like they have to be addressing offensive line for Cincinnati because poor Joe Burrow has just been running for his life and they didn't address it in free agency. And I feel like they need to get him an offensive lineman.
0: I, I, scary. I For some reason, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking the Cowboys are going to go get Kyle Pitts. Well, I've thought that too at number 10.
1: <laughs> But because, see, I've always believed that Kyle Pitts should be a wide receiver. I said that the day we did our mm-hmm. first deep dive on him. And I thought that could be a solution for Jerry, especially if you want to get off a of gallop who's been disappointing for them. You can convert. You can go ahead and convert Pitts to be a wide receiver and kind of bobs your uncle on that piece. And then you're you're kind of set because you can move him to the wide receiver or you can play him as your traditional inline tight end. I, I don't think he's i don't think he's the most effective tight end but other people have argued differently with me you know say levy on that piece but you also got miami at number six who could possibly be looking to give tua somebody to throw the football to i mean they
0: got a good tight end over there but um
1: but what it, but what it, i think from what i've heard as well it's not even just in my opinion apparently a lot of teams have him on their that on their board as a wide receiver not as a tight end
0: well, true. I mean, you could say the same thing about what Shannon Sharp, when he played at tight end, right?
1: I so. saw you saying that last night, that mm-hmm. a lot of people were saying that he could have been uh, The that's – I'm going to admit a little bit before my time during I, – or I was very young when Shannon Sharp entered mm-hmm. the NFL. It wasn't before my time, but I was a youngster at that point in time in my life. So I don't really remember them saying he could have been a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. JFlare two thirty seven says, if the Patriots trade up to the fourth to get Pitts, then the Panthers would probably keep Cam for a bit.
0: If the Patriots trade up to the fourth pick to get Pitts, then I'm questioning uh, Bill Belichick because I mean I love Pitts, but that's gonna that's a lot, a lot of revenue to trade up to get a receiver. When you got a lot of receivers on this the wide receiver is so deep in this draft. That's, that's the only thing that I'm like, um, I don't know about all that. Cause that would take a minimum of two first round picks to get up there.
1: I kind I follow the same route as you on this. Now I've heard a lot of Patriot fans make the pitch that the Patriots should trade up for Kyle Pitts. And my argument to that sort of is like, number one, when did we ever see Bill Belichick ever think about making a move like that in his entire tenure as a, as a Patriot? But then they might argue with me. When did Bill Belichick ever spend $160 million on free agency? So, you know, say la say la but I don't see it either. And I think the same thing, like to get up to number four, that's going to cost you two first round picks at least, at least to get up to number four. Yeah. I, I, I'm a big fan of Kyle Pitts, and I think Kyle Pitts could possibly be the answer for the 2021 season to maybe push the Patriots over the edge because you would just be completely stacked on that offense if he performs the way we hope he could perform. That being said, though, you are hemorrhaging your future on either a tight end or wide receiver, depending on how you play him, and it'll probably be wide receiver – Because if you're trading up to four to make him your number three tight end behind Jonu and Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry, like what a waste of draft picks. That's just my opinion. I'm not, I'm not, I know. And I know I'm not looking at Jay Flair saying, you know, you're dumb because I've heard a lot of Patriot fans go this route. It just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me at
0: all. I mean, you, you kind of kind of iffy on doing it with a quarterback because you gotta remember none of these guys in the draft are proven in the NFL right so you're taking a chance e- even even though Kyle Pitts is is such a uh a, a big time guy and, and everyone expects him to be successful you could probably take those two first round picks and be like you know what hey Titans can I have AJ Brown for two first round picks and they'll probably say all day every day you know yeah so why wouldn't you use those two first round picks and offer it to an already proven uh, commodity at a, at a position that you need. Now you ain't going to do that with, with certain quarterbacks because quarterbacks are, you know, once, once you get a, uh, a franchise quarterback, no team's going to come off of them. Right. Unless they absolutely want to be traded. Like, like a la, you know, uh, we'll see Russell Stafford Wilson or, or, or Russell Wilson or, uh,
1: we, we won't talk about that guy in Houston.
0: Yeah. Who's you know, probably, they're,
1: they're... who's probably his trade market has probably shrunk quite significantly.
0: Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's just my thought process on that. I mean, you might as well, if, you, if you're going to use that kind of commodity to go get somebody at that position, go get someone that's already proven and young. So, yeah.
1: And, I, and again, I'm a little bit torn on, on all of that stuff, even trading up for a quarterback. I'm a little torn mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Um, because you don't know. I'd give up the farm for Trevor Lawrence. I would take a shot at Trevor Lawrence. Like that's a guy I would, I think everybody would take a shot at Trevor Lawrence.
0: Would you drop three first round picks? Cause that's minimum probably what it would take.
1: I would for Trevor Lawrence. I would drop three first round picks with the potential of getting the best quarterback in the draft. Now I look, I totally know. I Mitch Trubisky was once seen as the best quarterback in the draft, so I get that that's the type of risk you're taking, but I also don't think that Trubisky came with the notoriety that Trevor Lawrence did. We've seen him in college. I think that the kid, let's put it this way. I like Trevor Lawrence better than I like Joe Burrow last year. Like I was not a fan of Joe Burrow, as you know, and to me the book is still out on Joe Burrow, whether you can throw the ball past 10 yards or not that's still sort of, you know, the book is still out there. And I think you agree with me on that point.
0: Yeah. I I talked about that during uh, last year when you and I were on sportscaster all the time. I was sitting there, dude, don't throw it past 10, 15 yards, you know? So, and, and and yet here I'm, (laughs) Burrow. I'm hearing a bunch of people from Cincinnati uh, fans and stuff wanting to go get weapons for him. I'm like, dude, he can't, he can't throw it deep because he ain't got no protection shouldn't you get him some offensive linemen? Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. well, <laughs>
1: that's got to be their first priority is offensive line.
0: <laughs> you would think, but the fans don't think that.
1: So like if I'm Tampa Bay this year, whether they need it or not, I'm just getting an offensive lineman for Tom Brady, making sure that he's ultra protected, you know, like yeah, it, it's,
0: it's, it's not like he's running away from too many of the guys, you know, you, so you want to build that wall around him, right?
1: Absolutely, and that's not a knock on Tom Brady. It's just you protect no. your you protect your quarterback. You pre- absolutely. Uh, that's I think why the re- the reason the Patriots invested in Trent Brown and uh, David Andrews and Ted Karras to protect Cam Newton. Right, Co- offensive line are important.
0: Yeah, you got a a Bills fan in here right now, uh, Sheldon Cole, who uh, you know obviously I love Josh Allen, and he's a mobile quarterback like nobody's business. But you want to protect him right? I mean, that's just how, that's how the NFL works. You go out, you get your franchise guy, and then you protect the crap out of them.
1: I'm just, let me tell you about Josh Allen. I have said a lot of stupid things on this show.
0: <laughs>
1: and anytime anybody tells me I am too stupid to do what I do, I bring up my prediction of Josh
0: Allen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Josh Allen absolutely saved me from making it look like I know a little bit about football and i think you and i it was funny because if you watch sportscaster you would have sworn that you and i got together before the show and said how can we argue with joe today (laughs) but we were on the same page for a lot of things and i remember saying i mean you said it i said it i said if josh allen takes that leap and i believed he was going to take that leap i said buffalo is going to be a good team because that kid is legit like that's that kid is legit kid and he is and I remember two years ago being on that stream and I was on an AFC East roundtable and I told that AFC East roundtable and that's when Sam Darnold was supposed to be the next big thing. Mm-hmm. I said, after Tom Brady, Josh Allen is going to be the best quarterback in the AFC East. And the Jets fan laughed at me. The Dolphins fan laughed at me. The Buffalo Bills fan laughed at me.
0: And now That's I, funny.
1: I revisited that table not too long ago and said
0: how do you guys like josh allen now boys (laughs) well i mean at the beginning of the year before the season even started last year i was like you know what you know you look at how much josh allen improved from his rookie year to his second year it was it was monstrous like five percent completion percentage all that stuff i was like if he just improves that much again to his third year he's going to be a really good quarterback he didn't just improve that much It was like that much plus that much again, you know, and and all he needed was a little bit more experience, a little bit more time, understanding the NFL and, and when to get rid of the football, when not to get himself a primary number one receiver that he was going to say
1: having one of the top five wide Mm -hmm. receivers on your team didn't hurt either.
0: No, no, it doesn't, but you still got to get him the ball. Right. I mean, uh, you you could have the greatest receiver of all time, you know, uh, sitting on your team, which I'm going to say is Jerry Rice. And I mean, if you got freaking Blake Bortles throwing the football, is he the best receiver of all time? Probably not. You know, because he's not going to have the the numbers because the delivery is not going to be there. Heck, he had Joe Montana and Steve Young throwing him the football. <laughs>
1: Roster says, "No question, great show, Law Dog and Shades DPN. Appreciate you, Ross. You are the best." Jaquan, Jaquin, so what to say? Jaquin says that people really slept on Herbert, and I am looking at one of the people who really slept on Justin Herbert. So I'm going to let you take this comment, Lawrence.
0: I said when he came out that Justin Herbert is at his ceiling coming into the NFL; that he's not going to get better. All right. I said he is at his ceiling. I didn't like Herbert because I didn't think that he would be good enough to be a franchise long-term quarterback. He proved me wrong. But at the same time, I was right. He was at, I mean, he's, he's, when I say I'm right, I mean, he was one of the, probably the best suited to come out from the draft, right, to start. I still have yet to see how good he's going to be year two, year three, year four, but, uh, he played very, very well. His first, his first year.
1: And so do you believe you, we still could have just seen his ceiling? Like, are you still on that train? Like possibly he won't get better than he is. And this is, I mean, he's pretty good, but will will just be a pretty good quarterback who never takes that final step forward.
0: I don't, uh, Honestly, I, I don't know. Um, currently right now, Herbert is play, played high, at a higher level than what I expected him to play. Um, I expected him to play at a above average level, and he played at a very good level, right? So um, at that point, everything's out the window for me on that.
1: Jaden Gaming says we look like a gay couple. Thank you, Jaden. <laughs> Absolutely appreciate you being here. No idea what this says. We went seven and nine, but yeah, we won three games. Uh, we were close on. We would have went ten and nine. I still think twelve and five is a bit of a stretch. So I think there's an argument about the Patriots possibly going twelve and five this season. Let me tell you how what I have the pay. We've talked about the Patriots ceiling and floor. I have the Patriots floor at nine games, I said that this team has improved two more wins enough. Like that's the floor. I'm not saying they're going to win nine games, but at minimum they've improved enough to win two more games that they did last year. So I have them at the floor and nine with 17 games. I still have them at about 11, uh, as their, their, their ceiling.
0: I think 12 is their ceiling. 12. But I I think nine, eight or nine are is their floor. They're right in that that uh that playoff you know conversation.
1: I have them as a playoff team. I do. I, I have them as maybe that final wild card. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's fair at this point to call them a Super Bowl contender. And again, a lot of that will
0: it has to do with the quarterback. Well,
1: yeah, a lot of that will all come down to Cam, right? And if mm-hmm. Cam comes out and is far more effective than maybe a lot of us have believed. You know maybe week seven and eight we're having a different conversation right now, though, based on what we've seen last season, making the assumption he's going to be improved this year for many different reasons, more weapons, a real off season, that kind of thing. I don't know if he still elevates them though to thirteen wins, fourteen wins, Super Bowl contender type of thing. again, maybe week seven and eight, you and I. Are having a different conversation, but right now I can't, I can't come
0: out and say that. No, I, I expect Cam to play much better than what he did last season. I, I, I've said that for a while. It was so much working against him. Um, n- not just the stuff that was again, timing of COVID was terrible. You know, he was just getting into a rhythm and then got COVID and was out and had to reset basically everything. You know, new team, new everything. Uh, he was basically put in a situation that you know, Philip Rivers was put in, but Rivers never caught COVID, and you know, so he was able to get progressively better with the team. Uh, and then you know, Cam didn't. Rivers had more weapons, better, you know, all, all that other stuff to go with him. So, uh, Cam, I think another year in the system, an offseason to work with, uh, health, better weapons. Uh, I think Cam should be better, but the question is how much better.
1: I think one of the the disappointing things, if you're a Patriots fan, the AFC East being competitive in the Tom Brady era would have been something I could deal with. You know, because I think Tom Brady could have made up some of those deficiencies. We know that the Patriots, as great as they were, they did benefit from having a little bit of a weaker division. Now, some people will argue that the Patriots were one of the reasons that division was so weak and they made them a weaker division. Mm Mm-hmm. I can accept that argument because I'm a Patriots fan. (laughs) But I'm sitting here now going, now's not the time for Buffalo to suddenly figure out how to find a quarterback. Now is not the time for Miami, who's going to be a wild card for the Patriots this season. Because if Tua gets it together, then that AFC is going to be good. And it's not going to be this season, but if the Jets take Zach Wilson like we think they are, and they actually somewhat manage to build a roster and not piss them off so they run away. Salah the coach. That team could be good in the next couple of years too. I've said it. It's not going to be this year, but in the next two or three years, especially if the Patriots do secure their future quarterback, in the next two or three years, this could be the best division in football just because all four teams could be uber competitive. It could have been the AFC South, but Houston has screwed that up.
0: Yeah, I, I fully agree on that part. I think the AFC South... Jacksonville looks like they're going to be turning things around. They got a heck of an offense coming out this, this upcoming season. Uh, see what they do with their defense. Uh, I just did a breakdown on them uh, two days ago, I think. Um, <clears throat> Tennessee, I like them. The Colts, obviously, I like them. But Houston, I, I just, they got so much crap going on in the office right now that uh, I, I, I don't know how they think straight. I really don't.
1: They got so much crap in the office. And now a, you don't even know if Deshaun Watson is going to be allowed to play football this year. So even trying to work that out with him to come back and play football for you. And number two, if you're not bringing him back, who's going to trade for Deshaun Watson right now? Who's, or, and if you are, if they are, who's going to give you the value that you think he's worth in this moment? Nobody, because, and this is casting no judgment. This isn't saying guilty or not guilty, but the NFL you don't have to be guilty to be punished. Uh-huh. We've seen it in the past. So you have to assume um, he's going to get it, in my opinion, in the NFL, just because of past presidents, he's going to get a minimum of six games. Antonio Brown sat half or four games. I mean, a minimum of four games. Antonio Brown sat half a season because of transgenders and accusations similar To what is against Deshaun Watson, that are, I believe, still in civil cases. They haven't been settled yet. So it just, that's just the way the NFL works. Yeah. Right. So
0: I feel like the Texans went out and got um, Tyrod just, you know, as a just in case thing, you know. So I don't think that they feel very confident in him starting the beginning of the season.
1: You couldn't. I, even if he, Even if, even if it could keep him, you know, like it's, there's so much, that's the whole thing with that whole situation. There's so much going on there. Not just because of the whole allegations, he doesn't want to play for them either. Like it's, you've got two major problems on your hand and it's not funny. I laugh because I'm uncomfortable and it's just, you know, you, but you've got two major problems on your hand that it's going to be tough for Houston to figure
0: out this year. I mean, there's no questioning Deshaun Watson's playability. He's a top three quarterback in the NFL. It's just, you know, this current, this current spot right now that he's in has really mucked his reputation dramatically. And we haven't even gotten into the, the actual court system of it. It's just all the allegations and stuff that's coming out is just not looking good for Watson.
1: And in the eye of public opinion, you're guilty until proven innocent. That's the world we live in today. And in the NFL, I always believe you're guilty until proven innocent as well. And they will punish you without guilt. And they'll basically say, well, you put yourself in that position, uh, whether you're innocent or not. And I'm not saying that Deshaun Watson's innocent. I'm not saying he's guilty. There's a whole lot of things that need to unravel and unfold. Mm -hmm. But it's not looking good. I, I think we can all agree on that. Guys, that's it for Patriots Outsider. We've hit that one-hour mark. I will be back in 55 minutes at 9 p.m. Eastern time with my boys Connor, my boy Connor, my girl Sarah, to do the Dear Past Nation podcast. Lawrence,
0: before we go, though, tell the
1: people where they can find you.
0: And You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Colts underscore Law. Uh, I have a Patreon. You can check me out, Colts Law. Um, And I have a merch shop uh, on Streamlabs. And on YouTube here, Lawrence Owen, really simple to find me. And Lawrence did send me the Matt
1: Judon film room. So that will be going up on Friday. I am looking forward to that. Guys, until later, I'm not going to ask Lawrence's question because he's not going to give me the answer I want. So I'm just going to tell you: the Patriots are going to be legit, kid. Take care. See ya. I'm Matt Cundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast.